0: This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock, Knock him out, John. Woo! Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt
1: looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to him.
0: They are who we thought they were. And we let them about the well, have- hole. get out of hand. just... Just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter
2: the West Lake Titans. That's left. 372 wide
3: sticks.
0: Woo! The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, i am I going to go to college?
4: I'll just play football.
1: Well, look at here. Just like that, it's hour number two. Can you believe it? What happened that first hour? When I was a kid, an hour seemed like a long time. Heck, a class didn't last but what? 30 minutes? 45 minutes? An hour seemed like a long time. Now an hour absolutely flies by. <laughs> Where did the hour go? Hour two has just begun. I'm mad. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, Go! With the home team, they are your home team at Farm Bureau. Hey, Roger, I had a funny moment yesterday. I was in Grenada at uh, the local Farm Bureau Insurance office there. They got a bunch of great folks in the Grenada office, and one of them is a guy named Robert Corolla. How about how about that name? Named after a Toyota. <laughs> That's right, Robert Corolla. Robert, born and raised in Grenada, played high school football, Grenada High School, then played at Mississippi Delta Community College, and he played at Delta in the early-mid-'90s with those great defensive linemen like uh, Dorsett Davis and Toby Galladay and some of those. Yeah, played with them. And uh, so he's got some stories. Played with a great running back from Mississippi Delta, Rod Gibson, who was a heck of a player for us at Mississippi State in the late-'90s. Rod's on the staff now at Mississippi State under Joe Moorhead. But anyway, so we had the whole football and playing ball thing in common. But a while back, I was in his office, and we were working on some video stuff. He's got a lot of pictures in his office of he and his family and others. And a lot of the pictures of when Robert was younger. Okay, So one day when I was in his office, Roger, I'm looking at some of the pictures, and just jokingly, I turned to to Robert, and I said... Are you in any of these pictures? (laughs) Because this does not look like you. And when I said that, his office mate, Lee Smith, and some of them were outside the door, and I didn't know it, and they busted out laughing. They thought it was the funniest thing. So it was a good moment, but then I thought, well, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) He might not have liked it. So yesterday, I recorded on video me apologizing to him and I said, you know what, I'm apologizing. He said, no. And so I t- reminded him. He's like, yeah, that's right. He said, because I, I look a lot different. I've gained some weight and I've lost my hair. And I said, that's right. And I took my hat off and I said, I realize I have no room to say that about anybody, <laughs> how much they've changed or how much hair they've lost. <clears throat> and so I officially apologized. He was a really good sport about it. So if you follow me on Twitter, if you are listening to this, you follow me on Twitter, at Radio White, and you saw that yesterday on my Twitter feed, I did post it. That is the story behind it, okay? That's the context is I was joking around and then I kind of felt bad about it. <laughs> and I had spiked I had a
2: spiked haircut, like you know, not really with the points in the product like Jake does, but it was one of those early punk kind of haircuts. Uh-huh. I don't look nothing. I don't have anything there to, to
1: point anymore. There's nothing to point, is it? <laughs> nothing. I tell you what I did. I shaved my head this morning with the clippers, and about two hours later, I was rubbing the back of my head, and I realized I missed a row. That's, that's why I don't do my own. I can't. It, it probably looked like a you know, quasi-mohawk back there. I'd forgotten to, row, uh, to mow one row of hair in the back of my head. I had to go back and redo it. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that would be an example of why you would let someone else do it, but I'm too cheap yeah. for that. Too cheap for it.
2: Cheap? That was $20, man.
1: What does? A haircut? You ain't cheap. You just practical. Practical. That's exactly right. At this point, if I had hair, pay for a haircut up there. What? What What do you pay for a haircut in Tupelo? Oh gosh, it's been so long, I don't remember. Oh okay. I think it was cheaper than twenty bucks though. Yeah. Back when I was had hair and was having someone else do it, I thought I think it was cheaper than (laughs) twenty.
2: I think it's 18 here. That's kind of like the market rate. You
1: know, <laughs> okay. Throw in an extra
2: five. So I never get out for 20 anyway. I don't know what
1: there I'm talking go. about. Yeah, there you go. i telling you, get one set of clippers and be done with it. They tear up, go buy a new one in five years. You know? That's the path I'm on. All right. Welcome in. You can be a part of the show. The text line, 885-ESPN or eight eight five three seven seven six. And the Divinity phone, call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. 995-1059. We were talking about recruiting and chuckling about some of the things they say. Fluffy texted the show, and he said, I can say this now because I'm anonymous, but my dad was a manager at a car dealership in uh, Lafayette, and a very prominent LSU alumni and player came in a couple times to buy cars for kids who were likely recruits. They would always put it in mom or grandma's name. And see that, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way it happens. It's not exclusive to LSU, but that's the way it's always been, kind of nationwide. It's why certain fan bases or teams or schools would kick and scream when they would get caught or get popped for some kind of car deal. It's because they're like, they can't say it publicly, but they want to say, "Look, man, you and I know everybody's giving away cars."
2: It's a lease.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're trying every way we can to make it look legal. We just have to do it to keep up with everybody else. And, uh, you know, what I have said is, you know, I'm sure in the late 90s I played with guys who got cars. It was never made into a big deal. It was never something that was a, like a stone-cold fact. Nobody was ever going around bragging, hey, man, this booster out gave me a car. It's nothing like that, but I'm sure there were guys who did. I didn't. I didn't guess I
4: What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law.
1: <laughs> for the law. Or the rules, as we, get we, yeah. you know. But um, what I have always said about it, the way I feel about it, is it's the recruiting part that I don't like. That's That's dirty and sleazy, because what you're doing is you're affecting people's ability to make a decision, make the best decision for them. In some way... You know, families and kids ought to be able to make a decision based on what it is that's best for them, what they need to do, what they want to do. Part of the reason you've always had so many, you know, unhappy players and stuff is they take the money and the the inducements in recruiting, and then they make a decision that it's not best for them. They don't really want to go there. And they wind up two years later, that five thousand or that car they had for a year is gone, or whatever, and now they don't want to be there. They're only there because they took some. Benefit, and now they want out to go where they really want to go. So you're not helping people when you really load them up in recruiting. You're just not. You're not helping people. Got a question for you. I was thinking
2: about this the other day, and I was wondering if the NCAA loosened the rules on the ability to transfer. And so when which they do, unnamed alumni booster number one, you know, gives fifty hundred. $200,000, 200,000 dollars I've heard, you know, bandied about for this, you know, uh people named Cam and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. what if they were able to transfer after the first year? Would that not make people a little less likely to be throwing that kind of money at them? Oh
1: yeah, it's a good point, Roger, which they again, they have loosened the transfer restrictions and all that kind of stuff um slowly but surely more and more. Yeah, but, no, that is a good point. It, you but know, now, they, on the other hand, it could just make more money
2: come in. Like you well, could have somebody trying to outbid. Oh, so-and-so. sure. Sure. You know, so
1: come over here next year. I think the way to look at it, Roger, is it is such a lucrative business now for schools, for coaches, um, everybody, that there's no way to avoid people constantly looking for loopholes. And frankly, cheaters all over the place looking. And all it takes is one cheater to have a little success. And then everybody else gonna cheat because they have to to keep up, and then that's where you are. There's lots of schools and and their alumni and their boosters who would very much prefer to not have to do any of that, but if they don't, they're gonna go into complete and utter obscurity in that particular sport. That's the way it is right now. It's just it's just part of life. Hey, it is what it is. Thank goodness that it is just NCAA rules and not laws. You know the basketball thing is the first time it's ever really crossed over into whole co- like gobs of people going to jail. That's when you got really got out of hand. Um, but what I've always said too is, you show me a player at a school somewhere. He's a junior, senior. He's making good grades. He's never been in trouble. He's never, you know, embarrassing. Him. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. He shows up for workouts. He goes to class. He's enjoying himself as a college student. And he's making tackles and touchdowns for you and all this and hitting jump shots for you and and all this and somebody gives him a car to drive because he didn't have one. You think I care? <laughs> I don't care at all. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. I realize it's against the rules. It doesn't hurt my feelings one bit. All right. Over to baseball. There's a flip of the switch, no segue, nothing. I'm just I'm just turning around here. Where nobody ever pays recruits. <laughs> well, say what you want. College baseball is maybe the most pure sport out there in college sports. It is because ninety-nine schools out of a hundred they're not they're not loading up baseball recruits. They're just not doing it, um, and it's why you see so much parity. It's why Coastal Carolina won a national championship. Think about that. Anyway, parity. Auburn baseball hadn't been to the College World Series since 1997. They're there now. They are in it. This year, headed there right now. Yesterday, Butch Thompson, the Mississippi native, former state coach, now the head coach at Auburn, talked to the media as he was about to get on the bus, and they left yesterday to go to Omaha. They're going to play Mississippi State on Sunday night. Here's some of that Q&A. Butch Thompson, head coach Auburn, with the Auburn media.
3: Exciting time for us uh, with Auburn baseball. I just You can start seeing it with, uh, you know, the people that have reached out since uh, this journey has gotten to the point where we get to take our first trip to Omaha, Nebraska and play in the College World Series since 1997, you know, I walked in the office here this morning and we tried to get a little practice before we take off for for Omaha today and, you know, I got Chris Morrison and Rob McCrory and Tim Hudson and all the people that have reached out uh, to us, Uh, I'll just stop with those three names because it's been a ton and it runs deep for the people that love Auburn, but uh, like I've mentioned, um, all that we've been through, um, both the good and bad, we claim every bit of it and um, excited to go out here and compete. I I think it's going to be amazing. A vision I had, I know four years ago, was uh, getting to see this Auburn uniform run out on that field at TD Ameritrade Park. And for for me to be fortunate enough to be the head coach and and see these guys do that here on Sunday is is pretty special.
0: Going into the SEC tournament, um, things were looking a little less, you know, sure, certain as they are now, as the way the team was playing. Uh, yet you guys have been able to come together, you know, despite a lot of people maybe hopping off the Auburn bandwagon. How have you guys been able to keep performing, you know, s- even though a lot of people stopped believing?
3: Yeah, I, you know, this team was 23 and six at one time. This team had won 15 games in a row at one time. I think the team was 7-3 and three in the Southeastern Conference at one time. Um, you know, just I, I think getting banged up, and I think some, some guys that performed with the bats especially. Uh, it really cooled off from that standpoint. So I, I think we had to circle and go to a little damage control there for an extended period of time in the middle of the year. But uh, I think that's why I go back and, and credit this group time and time again because there was enough fortitude. I think there was enough confidence in themselves. Um, maybe even when people gave up on them, uh, I think I think these guys still think they're good baseball players and believe that the whole time. And we we kind of just kept hunting for a recipe, and then you know we got to play enough. At the end of the day, you wound up playing the number one strength of schedule in America. And um, you know I've talked about that maybe at nauseum for some folks, but I do think having to go everywhere that we had to go, knowing before the season started, I said we're about to walk through the toughest you know schedule. Um, in America because I believe that because I saw Baton Rouge on the schedule, I saw College Station, I saw Nashville, I saw uh, South Carolina, I saw Starville, um, just to name a few, and um, I-, I knew if we could survive, like you say, and get to that tournament and keep fighting, that we could return to like that 15 games in a row, that win streak, if we could just c- keep surviving, and uh, for whatever reason, those six days between the SEC tournament and the regional starting in Atlanta, uh, some good things started happening. Um, I could tell the team was getting closer. I think they kind of put away with like, hey, this, we're injured here. And I just think they wiped the slate and kind of created a new clean sheet of paper. And some of these guys that we know are so capable, started playing some great baseball. And, uh, and we've been a handful the last couple of weeks. And uh, I think that's our driving force uh, going into to this next round
0: kind of chuckle when you see it's Mississippi State across from you, knowing that's your previous program. You're from Amory, Mississippi, I believe, an hour away from Starkville. How much does that just make you kind of chuckle, this is a
3: we've been. It just It just so much script stuff going on. I, I, I go back to thinking, uh, oh, of course Steven Williams is going to hit a walk-off home run after the way the season ended last year. Of course Cody Greenhill is going to throw the last pitch to propel us into Omaha because he threw the last pitch last year in games. Well, of course, that's going to happen. And of course, out of 300 schools, we're going to play Mississippi State in the first game of the College World Series. I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I've I've been in the home of Ethan Small. I'm sure we're going to get him, him, draw him game one, Um, the recruitment of, of Jake Mangum, you know, and of course, we're going to play those guys, a place that's dear to me, a place that's prepared me for the job that, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime that I have now. I owe it to Mississippi State, and, uh, you know, John Cohen, the athletic director there now, uh, we were in a dugout for for seven years uh, together trying to fight and win. Actually, it's my last time in Omaha in 2013. Uh, We lost a national championship and got to the final two, so I think everybody that knows me knows what Mississippi State means to me, Um, but I also think everybody that knows me knows that, uh, you know, we, we found purpose in our family, and... And the two girls go to Auburn, and, man, we found where we're supposed to be here in Auburn. So in a unique, weird way, I'll turn that around to say this is one of the neatest games that I've ever had an opportunity to coach in and be a part of because of so much respect on the other side, um, care about a ton of people on the other side, uh, and my Tigers get to play them. I, I can't wait to hook it up.
1: How about that quote? What do you think about that quote from Butch Thompson right there? Uh, one of the neatest games that I will ever get to be a part of. He's talking about this one coming up on Sunday night, and uh, he can't wait to get it started. It's something that he'll talk about for years to come, and he will. You know, um, win or lose. I thought I heard a phone ringing, Roger. But seriously, were you playing me the, were you giving me the phone cue, or was that a phone ringing in my soundbite with Butch? I couldn't tell. I
2: know.
1: It was me, but I thought it fit right in. <laughs> it did. It sounded like there was one next to him down the hall, a phone ring. Let me get that phone. <laughs> All right, so who do we have? Uh, mass
2: communicating
1: over here. We got Jay from Baltimore. Hey, Jay, what's up, man?
0: Hey, as Omaha approaches, I was just thinking about that SEC tournament, and that 1-0 loss to Bandy and that Marathon of scoreless inning versus LSU, and now, I don't know what it is, it, if it's the inability or 100% philosophy, but the dogs have just not shown uh, any indication of playing small ball. Um, uh-huh. I just think that they certainly could have benefited from from those games, and I could anticipate seeing that uh, coming up in this tournament. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, you've got to be able to do it if you want to. You know, you you talk about complete teams, the teams that win a championship, they can do anything they need to do at any time. They can do it all. You got to play a little small ball. You got to hit and run. You got to move runners over. You know, you get that leadoff double and the next guy walks in a key situation and your eight or nine hole hitters coming up. He's got to be able to sacrifice those runners over to second and third and then hope that Mangum or Westberg, and, and, and in some cases your leadoff guy, Mangum's got to move them over. Um, so you got to be able to play some small ball when you have to do it, given the situation. They're not going to go out there in any ball game looking to play small ball in the first, second, third inning. They're not. But you get in those late innings and you're in a tie ball game or you're down by one, you got to figure out a way to tie it up and extend. I mean, there's some situations that have to do it. And a great example, Jay, Go. I want you to read what Brett Hudson wrote over on our website. It's just mattwyattmedia.com. He's got a great piece that he published this morning there on the blog about Chris Lamona's. It's his history, the context of his career. He's only played or coached for three different guys, and it all goes back to the Citadel. It talks a little bit about his makeup, what he was like as a player, all this kind of stuff. Part of it is kind of his style with dealing with players and motivating players, and, it, and it's how he has this – kind of polar opposite mix of he'll really get on guys at times, but then he also will really love on them at times when that's the right thing to do. Like he knows how to do both. And they used a situation in the SEC tournament in that 17-inning game that you mentioned against LSU when Gunnar Halter went up there late in those innings and needed to get a sacrifice bunt down and didn't do it. it. And it mentions that, frankly, he got an earful in the dugout from Lamonis when he got back in there. But then a few minutes later, after it all settled down, he goes back to him and builds him back up. And what happened is in the 17th inning, Halter gets up to bat and gets a game-winning walk-off hit. And you know they and so it, there's some good context there, and I think you're bringing it up, you want to read it. Lamonis shows me as a guy who he will push any button that he's got to push if he feel feels like he's like he has to, whether it's in this situation, I got to ream a guy out. In this situation, I got to put my arm around him and love on him. And the same's true philosophically. In this situation, we're trying to hit home runs. We want gap baseball, power. And in this situation, we're going small ball. We're going to move a guy over. So I think you're going to get a little bit of everything, or that's the intention anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I think it goes against his his main philosophy. Uh it's been pretty clear he just hasn't played it very much. I mean you can make an argument this team's not really built for it. But I, on the offensive side of the ball, but if you look yeah. at uh, the pitching staff and the opponents they've held, I think the last what, uh five or six games, I think they've averaged uh you know, two or three runs a game at yeah. most. I think yeah. they held Georgia to eleven over the weekend. I think they A and M only four, so I, I'm with you. I think moment is going to pull the, right, uh, pull the right card, whatever it takes. Whatever but, it takes. Uh, I just am a little bit concerned about pulling that card when you haven't really done it for, the, uh, for most of the year.
1: I know. I think it definitely is something that you have to keep in mind. Hey, Jay, appreciate your call, man, as always. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau Farm studio. Bureau. We're going to split. Be right back. More baseball. Stick around. Up in here amongst us. Fluffy text back said the guy who used to come in there buying cars for LSU recruits was tall. Does <laughs> that,
2: that kind of identify him
1: <laughs> No, not one. I just thought it was funny. Maybe it's basketball is what he was talking it about. It could have been. It, it could have been, but I, I just thought it's funny. <clears throat> it says he was And he he put it in all caps, TALL. (laughs) That's great. Give me a call on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. 995-1059. I mentioned it a bit ago. Here's a shameless plug. Uh, Brett Hudson wrote a really neat piece about Chris Lamonas over on our website, mattwyattmedia.com. Go to the blog page. You'll see it right there. Or just follow Brett on Twitter. Brett underscore Hudson. He's got a link there for you. Especially if you're a state baseball fan, you're going to want to read it because I learned a few things about uh, Chris's past, you know, his history as a player, but also as a coach in baseball, his makeup. And Brett interviewed former teammates when he was a player way back when at uh, the Citadel, but also people that he played for, coaches who he played for, coaches who he coached for. He interviewed those guys, and he's got quotes for you. So it kind of paints a much clearer picture, kind of who the first-year coach is. Chris lamonas So, again, that's over there. Look look up Brett, Brett underscore Hudson.
2: Did Brett interview uh, the coach?
1: Uh, yeah, Chris is in there also. Did he uh,
2: ask him about his uh, movie career?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Doggone it. Where's John?
2: JV, you ain't ever living that down. <laughs> Well, he, he, he got it off the O B. show.
1: Okay, so it's just, yeah.
2: So it had to be. True.
1: <laughs> wow. Turns out it wasn't. Mm-mm. But we had fun with it, though. Yeah. That was fun.
2: We'll, we'll do fact-checking on everybody's show from now
1: on. Yeah. Hey, um, let's see. This year, State, I know State makes a trip to Texas A&M in football. State hosted Texas A&M this past year Davis Wade, so this was 2019, they'll do the return trip. I'm not sure if this is the year that Ole Miss goes to A&M or not. It seems like maybe this year A&M comes to Oxford. But regardless, Texas A&M just announced that they are going to make beer and wine sales available to the general public at Kyle Field starting this fall in accordance with SEC guidelines, which they just changed. Texas doesn't have any state laws or anything like that that prohibit them from doing any of that stuff. Uh, fact is, state of Mississippi does. Even though the SEC kind of opened it up, pulled the seal off the whole selling alcohol in the stadium, as a conference rule, state of Mississippi has laws that right now I think stand in the way of state or Ole Miss even being able to make the decision to do it. Uh, so it but just so you know, if you're a state fan, You can go watch them play at Kyle Field, I guess, and buy alcohol. They just announced that. Putting it out there for you. There you go. Hey, let me jump back in. Speaking of football, earlier we did a countdown. We're counting down 100 teams in 100 days leading up to the start of the year. We had team number 79 earlier in the show. Let's do 78 and 77. 78 on the list. One of the academies. Sing along. Give you a hint. There's a very well-known, famous, popular NBA head coach who's an Air Force alum. Wonder if you know who that is. Nothing can stop the US Air Force. Nothing can stop the US Air Force. That's except be in the top ten right there. It ain't no doubt it's a top ten, Roger. Man, want to go join the Air Force.
2: Does it? Yeah, almost uh, did.
1: But man, these, I these ain't darn man. glasses.
2: <laughs> you didn't have the eyesight, huh? I knew you got to be perfect in every way. Well, about five eight.
1: Well, and if you go to the, problem, the Air Force Academy, like you have to be recommended by your local senator and stuff, right? Don't yeah, you?
2: Yeah, I got that down. I had that part. John Stennis, no less.
1: Yeah. 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 I was all up inside of some football recruitment by the Air Force Academy. Coming, coming out of high school. Had all those letters from Fisher to Barry and got to talk to him, meet him, all this kind of stuff, but uh, didn't materialize. I'm You know, it's in Colorado. It's in a gorgeous place out in the mountains in uh, Colorado. And I've been there. We went through there on one of those when I was a youth. A youth When I was a youth and a youth. we were – on one of these mission trips headed to Wyoming, we went through there and drove into and kind of just, you know, our own, didn't take a tour, but we just walked around and looked at different things on the campus there at the U.S. Air Force Academy. i never forget, it's just so beautiful, that stadium, that football stadium sitting up in the mountains up there, and they had the seats on one side of the stadium, it spells out Air Force, the way they've painted the seats, and then you had the chapel that is so iconic If you see a picture of it, seeing that in person, we walked up into the inside of it there. It was just really, really cool. Air Force, uh, it's a neat place, but way on out there. You know, you can't be a pilot and be six foot five and a half or anything like that. I hate flying. It's just, it does not appeal to me one bit. No, Greg Popovich is an Air Force alum. I don't know if y'all realize that, but the coach of the Spurs who everybody uh, loves and admires and everything. Um, yeah, he's an Air Force alum. I'd love to tell you about some Air Force football stuff real quick, but I got to pull their schedule up. While we do that, let's go to the Davini phone. I hear it ringing. Davini Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. Who you have, Roger?
2: Mountain Dog.
1: There he is. What's up, Mountain Dog? Hey, the hey.
2: one, and the only, baby. All right. Yeah, uh, I,
4: uh, I've got over twenty eight hundred hours in a C one thirty. I went about it the old fashioned way. Though I graduated from Mississippi State and then went into the Air Force. And we used to have guys in our squadron that graduated from the Air Force Academy. And we'd always say the reason they had those big rings on was when they were picking their nose, it stopped them from pushing into their
2: (laughs) brains. Not a big fan of the officers, were
1: you?
4: (laughs) No, I was an officer, too. But to them, uh, you know... They were them and you. It was like an elite club, I guess you
2: might Uh say. Yeah. And, you
4: know... We could tell.
1: <laughs> but
4: I do have one That's other good line. No, I got to tell you, Matt. Okay. About the whole hair thing and all that. Yeah. Uh, I've got pictures of myself when I was flying, and, uh, and a guy comes in to interview, he's a millennial, and he looks at the picture, and he looks at me, and he goes, man, you used to be pretty good
1: looking. That <laughs> <laughs> was
4: kind of like your situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, man. It's just age. It does it to all of us for the most part. Except guys like you know these famous people like Rob Lowe and others. They they stay young. We don't do it. We age like you're supposed to. You're supposed no, to age. man.
4: I'm sorry. I, I live in Mississippi. I just age with the way it is. That's the way it is. It's like now, brother. I thought
1: that was funny. That uh, was good. I wanted to tell you that story and then tell you the Air Force story. So. I appreciate it. An Air Force Academy grad. Tell them that that's the reason I got those big brains on. <laughs> so they can't poke their brain out. All right, we'll do. Right. <laughs> Thank you. When when
4: they're picking their nose.
1: When they're picking their yeah, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Mountain dog. Okay, brother. Thank Thanks you, care, man. Um, the Cadet Chapel, again, seeing that you can see pictures all you want, but you see that Cadet Chapel at Air Force sitting up there all by itself in the mountains, it is incredible to just look at. And you walk in. The inside of that thing is incredible. It has 21 spires. They began building that thing in 1959. They get more than 500,000 visitors annually. And here's the thing. The Cadet Chapel can accommodate five religious services at once. Three levels, separate entrances. It allows services to occur simultaneously. How about that?
2: Military efficiency.
1: That's it. Well, and you know.
2: Sometimes those words do work together.
1: And equal opportunity as well. Yeah. All right. One more team to do, and then I'm going to let you hear from Cole Gordon, the senior pitcher for state. That's coming up. Stick around. Show. Up in here, <clears throat> amongst us, Fluffy text back said the guy who used to come in there and cars for LSU recruits was tall. <laughs> is that, is, does
2: that kind of identify him,
1: <laughs> No, not one. I just thought it was funny. Maybe it's basketball is what he was talking it about. It could have been. It, it could have been, but I, I just thought, it's funny. <clears throat> it says he was and he, he put it in all caps. Tall. <laughs> That's great. <clears throat> Give me a call on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. 995-1059. I mentioned it a bit ago. Here's a shameless plug. Uh, Brett Hudson wrote a really neat piece about Chris Lamonas over on our website, mattwyattmedia.com. Go to the blog page. You'll see it right there. Or just follow Brett on Twitter. Brett underscore Hudson. He's got a link there for you. Especially if you're a state baseball fan, you're going to want to read it because I learned a few things about uh, Chris's past, you know, his history as a player, but also as a coach in baseball, his makeup. And Brett interviewed former teammates when he was a player way back when at uh, the Citadel, but also people that he played for, coaches who he played for, coaches who he coached for. He interviewed those guys, and he's got quotes for you. So it kind of paints a much clearer picture, kind of who the first-year coach is. Chris lamonas So, again, that's over there. Look look up Brett, Brett underscore Hudson.
2: Did Brett interview uh, the coach?
1: Uh, yeah, Chris is in there also. Did he uh,
2: ask him about his uh, movie career?
1: <laughs> no. Doggone okay. it. Where's John? JV, you ain't ever living that down. <laughs> Well, he 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 got it off the O B. show. Okay, so it's just yeah. So
2: it had to be. True.
1: <laughs> wow. Turns out it wasn't, Mm-mm. but we had fun with it though. Yeah, that was fun.
2: We'll we'll do fact checking on everybody's show from now on.
1: Yeah. Hey, um, let's see. This year, state I know state makes a trip to Texas A and M in football. State hosted Texas A&M this past year Davis-Wade, so this was 2019, they'll do the return trip. I'm not sure if this is the year that Ole Miss goes to A&M or not. It seems like maybe this year A&M comes to Oxford. But regardless, Texas A&M just announced that they are going to make beer and wine sales available to the general public at Kyle Field starting this fall in accordance with SEC guidelines, which they just changed. Texas doesn't have any state laws or anything like that that prohibit them from doing any of that stuff. Uh, fact is, state of Mississippi does. Even though the SEC kind of opened it up, pulled the seal off the whole selling alcohol in the stadium, as a conference rule, state of Mississippi has laws that right now I think stand in the way of state or Ole Miss even being able to make the decision to do it. Uh, so it but just so you know, if you're a state fan, You can go watch them play at Kyle Field, I guess, and buy alcohol. They just announced that. Putting it out there for you. There you go. Hey, let me jump back in. Speaking of football, earlier we did a countdown. We're counting down 100 teams in 100 days leading up to the start of the year. We had team number 79 earlier in the show. Let's do 78 and 77. 78 on the list. One of the academies. Sing along. Give you a hint. There's a very well-known, famous, popular NBA head coach who's an Air Force alum. I wonder if you know who that is. Nothing can stop the U.S. Air Force. Nothing can stop the U.S. Air Force. That's got to be in the top ten right there. It ain't no doubt it's a top ten, Roger. Man, Off we? me want to go join
2: the Air Force. Does it? Yeah, almost huh. did.
1: But man, these, I had darn man.
2: glasses. <laughs> you didn't have the eyesight, huh? I uh, knew no, you got to be perfect in every way. Well, At about
1: five eight. Well, and if you go to the problem, Air Force Academy, like you have to be recommended by your local senator and stuff, right? Don't yeah, you?
2: I got that down. I had that part. John Stennis, no less. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: I was all up inside of some football recruitment by the Air Force Academy. Coming, coming out of high school, had all those letters from Fisher to Barry and got to talk to him, meet him, all this kind of stuff, but uh didn't materialize. And You know, it's in Colorado. It's in a gorgeous place out in the mountains in uh, Colorado. And I've been there. We went through there on one of those when I was a youth, a youth when I was a youth, and youth. we were – On one of these mission trips headed to Wyoming, we went through there and drove into and kind of just, you know, our own, didn't take a tour, but we just walked around and looked at different things on the campus there at the U.S. Air Force Academy. i never forget, it's just so beautiful, that stadium, that football stadium sitting up in the mountains up there, and they had the seats on one side of the stadium. It spells out Air Force, the way they've painted the seats, and then you had the chapel, That is so iconic. If you see a picture of it, seeing that in person, we walked up into the inside of it there. It was just really, really cool. Air Force, uh, it's a neat place, but way on out there. You know, you can't be a pilot and be six foot five and a half or anything like that. I hate flying. It's just, it does not appeal to me one bit. No, Greg Popovich is an Air Force alum. I don't know if y'all realize that, the coach of the Spurs, who everybody uh, loves and admires and everything um yeah he's an air force alum i'd love to tell you about some air force football stuff real quick but i got to pull their schedule up while we do that let's go to the divini phone i hear it ringing Divinity equipment madison and in jackson who you have roger
2: mountain dog
1: there he is what's up mountain dog hey, hey. the one the only baby all
2: right oh uh, yeah i uh i've got over
4: 2800 hours in a c-130 i'm I went about it the old-fashioned way that I graduated from Mississippi State and then went into the Air Force. And we used to have guys in our squadron that graduated from the Air Force Academy. And we'd always say the reason they had those big rings on was when they were picking their nose, that it stopped them from pushing into their brains.
2: <laughs> Not a big fan of the officers, were
4: you? <laughs> no, I was an officer, too. But to them... Uh,
2: no. They were oh. them and you. It was
4: like an elite club, I guess you might uh-huh. say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you yeah, know, we could tell. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> but I
1: do have one other good funny line. No, I gotta... to tell you, Matt. Okay.
4: About the whole hair thing and all that. Yeah. Uh, I've got pictures of myself when I was flying, and, uh, and a guy comes in to interview, he's a millennial, and he looks at the picture, and he looks at me, and he goes, Man, you used to be pretty good looking. That <laughs> was
1: kind of like your situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, look, man, it's just age. It does it to all of us for the most part. Except guys like, you know, these famous people like Rob Lowe and others. They they stay young. We don't do it. We age like you're supposed to. You're supposed no, to age. Man,
4: I'm sorry. I, I live in Mississippi. I just age. With the way it is that's the way it is it's like now,
1: nah, brother i thought that was funny that uh, was good i wanted to tell you that story then tell you the air force story so i appreciate it. An air force academy grad tell them that
4: that's the reason i got those big
1: brains on <laughs> so they can't poke their brain out all right right, will do <laughs> right. thank you when, when they're picking their nose when they're picking the yeah gotcha. got you okay got gotcha. you mountain dog okay brother thank Thanks you care, man. um the cadet chapel Again, seeing that you can see pictures all you want, but you see that cadet chapel at Air Force sitting up there all by itself in the mountains. It is incredible to just look at. And you walk in. The inside of that thing is incredible. It has 21 spires. They began building that thing in 1959. They get more than 500,000 visitors annually. And here's the thing. The cadet chapel can accommodate five religious services at once. Three levels, separate entrances, and allows services to occur simultaneously. How about that?
2: Military efficiency.
1: That's it. Well, and you know.
2: Sometimes those words do work together.
1: And equal opportunity as well. Yeah. All right. One more team to do, and then I'm going to let you hear from Cole Gordon, the senior pitcher for state. That's coming up. Stick around.
4: Show.